Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots Podcast. Today, we are tackling the famous FIFA company. And if you aren't a um aware of what fifa is like i would be very surprised but it is the federation of international football association and right now as we speak the world cup is happening so by the time this episode finishes i believe the world cup will be complete i believe they're in the semifinals as we're recording so oh. We'll see like who will win. Um, But there's a lot to talk about. And this was inspired by the Netflix series called FIFA Uncovered. So we wanted to do a quick little episode talking about the controversies, our thoughts about it, the lowdown on this company. Uh, But before we do, Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I don't, you know, notoriously, I'm not the sporty spice of this duo and that carries over with soccer as well. <laughs> I haven't watched any of the matches of the World Cup, but wow. I know coworkers have been talking about it. I knew briefly a little bit of the controversy, controversy, mm-hmm. but man, this is dark and there's a lot. So there yeah, like you lot. said, we just need to do and- like a little synopsis. Yep. And there's so much that we are not covering that is covered in the documentary slash there's probably so much like articles. I'm sure you're wanting to go even further in depth on this whole topic, but we're just going to keep it very high level and talk about everything that's going on because there's a lot. And then there's so many people, so many members of this. Mm -hmm. It's such a big thing. I feel like I know FIFA from also like the video game. Yeah. Um, so like that's also a money making thing. It's just, it's a lot. It's a huge organization and corporation and money driver. And it has the most viewers. Yes. Or like the World Cup, I should say, is like the most watched sporting event. Yes. In the entire world. So big deal. Exactly. And it's like the Olympics which I thought it was every two years, but it's actually every four years. So right now we are in the middle of the World Cup era. And I also think football slash soccer is an interesting sport because it's played in so many countries between the richest country to the poorest country. That's just, that's the real, it's a real pastime, you know, because all you really need is just a ball and a group of friends to just pass it along and you you got a game going so to put it on the national stage is insane and i'm pretty sure it has to be the highest revenue sport right like overall yeah i mean it's billions of people that watch it so it must yeah it's just weird because in america it's not really that big of a sport Mm -hmm. But in other countries, like, I think that's what the World Cup really, like, shows you is the fact that, wow, the U.S. is, you know, not as into it as uh, other countries are, like, very into it. Yeah, we have our football and they have their mm -hmm. football. And Mm -hmm. that's that. Exactly. Yeah. Let's dive in, shall we? We have a lot to uncover. Yeah. 
So the organization has roots that started all the way back in 1903 in France. So it really started to pick up, I would say, almost in a pop culture type way, putting it on the map around the 1970s. And that probably has to do with media because you have televisions, mm. you have commercials versus, you know, before you all you had was like the radio and newspapers. So that's probably what helped to drive the popularity. And it was under a uh, president and his name was Jowell, Jowell Havalanche. And I'm probably mispronouncing that. And he was like the the main guy in charge. And this is where under his, I was going to say under his rule, but under his supervision, under his supervision. Yeah. This is where everything started to expand. And he promised like a global expansion, which makes sense in attracting other countries to be a part of this organization. One way they became really big and a huge moneymaker was through sponsorships. So they were able to secure two big deals between Coca-Cola and Adidas. And that really helped them, Mm. uh, you know, again, just be put on the map um, and have the funds to be able to grow awareness for this game. So the first controversy that like more modern day era that is known was when Zhao was president. He endorsed the 1978 World Cup, which was hosted by Argentina. And this was really controversial because the country had just fallen to a vicious military dictatorship. So a lot of people were complaining about the fact that, like, how could this have been approved? Why Argentina? Their politics, you know, behind the country is so severe. How did it, Mm -hmm. you know, again make this happen and I just thought it was interesting because in the documentary they make comparisons to the Olympics in Germany when Hitler was there mm-hmm. so it I don't know I think people are also making those comparisons and it's just an interesting interesting thing to think about and then later when Zhao stepped down there was a guy named Sepp Blatter and now this is an important name to remember because this guy was president in 1998 and then remained president until 2015 so Mm. that is almost 20 years of ownership supervision and everything and that's a really long time people complained about how the process works because when you get voted in it's literally like the u.s presidency where you get your term for four years and then you run again and then you get it for another four years but the difference between Let's say the U.S. government is the fact that you can only get go for two terms versus mm-hmm. in FIFA, they have an unlimited amount. So people complain saying, like, is this, you know, fair? Should we have a term limit? Because if we don't like the president, you know, how can we get somebody out? And I think there's definitely like a lot of studies and I don't have the exact percentage, but like once you're voted in, even in American politics, it's very hard to get voted out. So if you don't have a term limit that says you must be, you know, leaving by a certain amount, like the chances of you staying in, whether you're good or bad is very, very high. And so that's when a lot of corruption was starting to become uncovered. Do you know who 
decides like who votes so there's a whole committee and essentially the committee is our representatives from all of the countries so you have north america you have people of asia like the caribbean there's like a representative for everybody it's almost like hmm, what's the word uh what's the organization it's like the i'm gonna say like the world union but united nations yes it's like that okay and um yeah so they have a rep and then so all these people basically vote in him gotcha yep and so the reason why he stepped down in 2015 is because that's when all these things started to just like all hell broke loose so on may 27th of 2015 14 members of the fifa executive council were arrested in switzerland and then Sepp kept saying like, oh, like, I'm not going to step down. I'm not going to step down because like that would admit that I was guilty of something. But Mm -hmm. then a few days later, he ended up resigning after the U.S. Justice Department were investigating FIFA and him. So he definitely was advised to step down because there was an ongoing investigation. Like it wouldn't be a good luck for him to continue the presidency. What's interesting is that even though he was, you know, in this investigation and whatnot, he has not been directly implicated in any criminal cases. It's it's just like really wild because you hear about all of what these prosecutors have to say. And this has been a long ongoing legal battle and only in until July of 2022 that the Swiss prosecutors could not prove that he was related to a 20 or $2 million payment back in 2011. So this is just one thing, like who knows if there were way more things. And basically the court said that they could not prove that he was a hundred percent guilty, even though there was a lot of things that made him look really suspicious. Mm -hmm. So all he was left to do was, pay $20,000 for basically like what they consider a quote-unquote moral injury and he was deemed innocent so I think that's an interesting perspective to look at because even though there are a lot of damning evidence against him and just FIFA he mm-hmm. technically under the court of law he's innocent so I don't know it's just an interesting look thing to look into no yeah that's super interesting and we'll go into more detail on what exactly the allegations are Mm-hmm. in a little bit but first i suppose we should go to our ads yes and we're back So now we're going to look at the World Cup today and specifically this 2022 World World Cup. This World Cup in particular has a lot of controversies and it's kind of a groundbreaking one in a few different ways. So it's the first cup to be held in the Arab world. It's being held in Qatar. If you didn't know, if you don't know what, where or what Qatar is, it's a tiny tiny country smaller than connecticut which is insane wild and it's a rich oil drilling country i've actually been there for a layover oh yeah yeah i took 
Qatar Air to Nepal and I had a layover in Doha and the airport was very nice. And I understand now why it's so nice is because they built it for the World Cup just a couple of years later. That's so wild. You got to be a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) It has, you know, a harsh climate where it's over 100 degrees often. And they actually moved the timing of the World Cup so that they could do it here. So it's Mm -hmm. not normally in November. It's normally in what, June, July? Exactly. Yep which it would be too horrendous to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was not an option. (laughs) Yeah. And I heard that that kind of screws up a lot of teams schedules, you know, they're on this strict schedule regime and, um, you know, moving it a few months later, that definitely messes up in your off time or what normally is your off time. Yeah. So that's, uh, challenging on that front and I think I don't think they have as much recovery time before their season begins again yeah that's a good point so Qatar is an absolute monarchy and the emir's family has been in power since the 1800s which is also wild that is Um, I didn't realize that's how long they were in rule yeah they haven't like held complete power that whole time but they've been in some you know, form of the word in power since 1800s. Mm-hmm. And obviously the decision that Qatar was to host the World Cup definitely turned a lot of heads. And what's amazing is how early they make these decisions. So it was first announced in 2010. And on paper, the reasoning was to promote soccer in new regions of the world. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's 12 years early. Yep. And you can understand why, because they have to build, it's kind of like the Olympics. I don't know how many years in advance do they know the Olympics? Is it similar or is this even more than that? I think it's that? similar, honestly. Yeah. Because you have to build so much infrastructure and that obviously takes a lot of time. Yep. So back in 2010, the country had no stadiums or like maybe one stadium. Again, we're the size of Connecticut, smaller than mm-hmm. Connecticut. Mm-hmm. They had a lot fewer hotels, not nearly enough to host this major event. So many people travel to the location of the World Cup. It is wild. Yep. And one of the huge complaints about how this one was handled was how these buildings were getting constructed because they were mostly being built by migrant workers from Asia and Africa. And it, there are reports that they, are, they were very mistreated and many, many people have died and kind of suspiciously as well. So one of the human rights group's complaints is that the kafala, the kafala system, which is a holdover from British colonial rule, that system gives the employers almost total control over workers' visas. So... It makes it super challenging, not just to leave a job, but also the country once you're over there. So people from Asia and Africa, they come over seeking work and basically the employer has complete control over them and they can file a complaint over the tiniest things. And then the person is automatically undocumented and can be arrested and deported immediately. So crazy. So the situation was also exacerbated by the fact that many of the workers actually had to go in debt just to enter the country. 
So they had to pay these fees to recruitment agencies. And they were between $1,000 and $3,000 for jobs that only pay about $250 a month. So, you know, the money doesn't work out. You have to be there for so long just to pay back the agency. And Mm -hmm. they have fees and high interests on these types of things. So you're just truly stuck in this country and you really cannot advocate for yourself or to go back home or to have better Mm -hmm. conditions. You just can't. It's unknown how many people have died as a result of the working conditions while building all of these buildings for the World Cup. Some estimates say that thousands of migrant workers have died since 2010, and it's still unclear the exact number, but according to the Qatari statistics, only 37 people have died working to make the soccer tournament happen, Um, and 34 of those deaths were deemed, quote, unrelated from the job. But, you know, a lot of these death certificates were given natural causes like heart failure. But also a lot of these people were in their 20s and 30s and were probably were working in the harsh conditions, high temperatures. I'm sure they didn't take the summers off to build these things. They were working to the bone. And yeah, it's not common to have 20s and 30 year olds having heart failure, obviously. Yeah. And even if let's just say it is just quote unquote 37, like that's still a lot of people in yeah. modern day infrastructure, like building that. That's a lot of people. Yeah, totally. In 2021, an investigation marked that 6,500 migrant workers from five South Asian countries had died in Qatar since 2010. 6,500. Whether it be workplace accidents, car crashes, suicides, and deaths from other causes, including heat. And of course, the Qatari government isn't really acknowledging things. There was a quote, uh, one of the reporters of the investigation said, quote, some of them include workers who collapsed on the stadium construction site and died after they were taken off of it. Others died in road traffic accidents on their way to work in a company bus, and many others died suddenly in unexplained way in their labor camps. So sad. Yeah. So clearly, like, this is not a normal working condition, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh God, it's so bad because they get trapped there and they're promised a better life or promised more money or whatever. And so they go, but how can they, they can't, like, once they're there, they're stuck and then they're put in these conditions that so devastating. I know. It's just like a toxic cycle that these poor people are in. In addition to these uh, complaints about abuse for the migrant workers, there also have been complaints about basically Qatar's government and culture and its treatment towards women and LGBT people. So similar to Saudi Arabia, Qatar has laws that restrict women's abilities to make decisions about work and education and healthcare without permission of a male family member. And then consensual sex between adult men is illegal in Qatar and can serve prison sentences for it. And many LGBTQ people there have been describing beaten, harassed, and forced into conversion therapy. So obviously a lot of people were against it, the World Cup being here and basically supporting a country that has these beliefs and these customs or just these beliefs on things. 
Yeah. And it's, it's hard because I understand, I guess, from FIFA's point of view, whether probably like we want to take politics out of it and we want to bring soccer or football, whatever, to an area that hasn't been touched before. And let's bring awareness there. But when it comes to all of these things, it's just, I don't know. I feel like you've got to take that into consideration, just like where they're hosting and how they're treating their people and their culture yeah, and all that, because you're having a bunch of people from all over the world come together. And if you're not accepting of it, like this is not typical or normal in so many other countries. <laughs> Right. And it seems as though, I mean, every country would be building facilities to support the World Cup wherever it goes. Mm -hmm. But to choose a place that has such bare bones that they have to put so much into. And then, you know, you see this with Olympic um, builds as well. Then these facilities just go unused. Mm -hmm. So it's such a huge waste of resources and like time and energy to build these things that don't go you that are only used for a month or whatever and then yes. they're done yeah and I also saw something about all of the back and forth with permitting alcohol oh yeah yes that's a big thing um you can't even drink in the stadium I think is what I've, I've heard yeah and I think that they decided that very shortly before it was kicking off Mm-hmm. which obviously there's a lot of sponsors. I think, you know, Budweiser was there or is yeah. there and the fans that are going, it's a sporting event. Like you're expecting to have alcohol. Yeah. And yeah, that's something that needs to, or should have been addressed earlier. Exactly. Especially if you are the company, let's say like Budweiser and you're sponsoring yeah. it and you can't even get people to drink or buy your own products. Mm-hmm such a big deal so leading up um to the decision of qatar it already was so controversial because when the bid was accepted for qatar to be the winner even the president even uh sep was like uh this isn't exactly the choice i would have made but it's not my fault. And that's essentially what he kind of drilled home. It was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have picked it. But, you know, it is what it is. The committee voted on Qatar. And I'm just here to announce the winner, essentially. And they did go with the whole tactic of we're going to bring awareness and soccer mm-hmm. to an area that's never been there before. And we're expanding into the middle east so i i get it from like a pr perspective but then it it just it gets it gets messy right so he denies you know any responsibility and people were like what is happening because at this essentially the acceptance like award ceremony it was expected that for 2018, it was going to go to the UK, and that for 2022, it was going to be going to the United States. So much so that Prince William was there to essentially, like, kind of accept the bid. Mm. And then 
Former President Bill Clinton was there to represent for U.S. You have these two big names, and I get it. Like, you shouldn't use your popularity and celebrityism to, like, win votes either. But clearly, they were there expecting to be the winner. And instead, the choice went to Russia for 2018 and Qatar for 2022. And people were just like, what? How did this happen? happen Mm. and honestly i feel like because they like effed over the united states i think they just went fully like something is corrupt we're gonna uncover it and we're gonna take you down because you guys did not pick the u.s so there's something fishy about this Mm. and so in 2014 the uk-based sunday times reported on a trove of leaked emails and other documented documents suggesting that the prominent Qatari soccer official and former FIFA executive committee member Mohammed bin Haman had allegedly paid millions of dollars worth of bribes to the FIFA officials. And it's important to note that he had already received a lifetime ban from FIFA in 2011 from other corrupt charges. So he had a history of doing these briberies. And you're going to hear in a second, but briberies is not uncommon he probably was like this is just the way it works this is the name of the game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i probably didn't think anything of it and apparent allegedly nigeria sold its votes ahead of the 2018 and 2022 world cup bid and resulted in the member getting suspended so they you know apparently were tied to it and nigeria ivory coast and cameroon had allegedly sold their votes for 1.5 million dollars each in support of qatar so this is what people are saying was happening behind the scenes and that's why they won because again they were not supposed to win in theory like it was supposed to go to the u.s like i can only imagine bill clinton is there to accept it and he didn't he's there to not accept it you know yeah and didn't qatar qatar didn't even have a qualifying team yeah or they never had team that qualified right exactly they didn't really have they didn't have a qualifying team like they're they had no infrastructure all signs pointed to why they shouldn't be a top contender and so everybody was just surprised you know that this even happened so There were a lot of scandals that started to follow that were uncovered after this big announcement of the winner. One of the scandals involved delegates from African, Middle Eastern, and Caribbean nations. So long story short, the uh, president of the Confederation of North Central America and Caribbean Association Football, these Mm. are kind of like the representatives, long title, was connected to the scandal and Mohammed bin Haman, so the guy, you know, going rooting for Qatar were suspended on alleged on allegations of bribery and corruption so they were tied to all this so it really does make you wonder were they bribed you know a lot of evidence is pointing towards yes yeah some of it is allegations but I mean it it is iffy and essentially my point of view is like they just did not have a strong case of why they should be and why they were like good contenders. Although I do understand kind of from a PR perspective, like why they would want to expand into the Middle East. I do think that is smart in a sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And in the documentary, and I think this is just kind of important to also talk about, you know, all sides of it. 
where representatives representatives from Qatar were saying like after they were chosen, so many people were quick to say, hey, this is corrupt. You know, why Qatar, blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of racial discrimination mm. against them. And so I don't know. It's just like, are, do we, it's, is, are they two the same? Are they exclusive between like the racial discrimination and connecting to corruption? Because, you know, the U.S. had lost, like, how did they win? And, you yeah. know, people were being so unapproving. And I mean, they kind of have good reason to based on their culture, the infrastructure, all of that. And even with Russia winning, it was giving Cold War vibes. Okay, you yeah. know. Oh, no, like Russia's the winner of this, you know, bid. Like, how did that happen? Like, how did we lose to them? So it's kind of like it all ties into very historical political things, which I think is interesting how it shook out into the sport of soccer with football. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing to think about. And they're probably saying like, hey, there's always been bribery. Like every single one has been bribed for different countries. Mm -hmm. And you're just making Mm -hmm. like a big stink about it now with us so I could like Mm -hmm. see that point but also again we can't forget all of the people that have died which is not a thing that's happened at every other one so Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's like a bit of both probably yep yep I completely agree and so now looking into the future like I said step step had stepped down and the current FIFA president is a guy named Gianni And for the next World Cup, it is actually going to be hosted between 16 different cities between Canada, Mexico and the U.S. So it's kind of considered a North America um, World Cup, which is interesting. Boston, Foxborough is considered a city that they will be hosting in. L.A. is going to be a city, you know, again, other cities in Canada and Mexico. It's an interesting thing because I I don't know. To me, it seems weird that they're splitting it up so significantly. Yeah, I wonder what the logistics are. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. are you flying people to different teams to different locations or what? Exactly. I don't know. So I guess we'll find out in four years. But yeah, that was the story on FIFA. Definitely a lot of controversy mm-hmm. around the whole thing. I th- I'm sure there's still stains that are, you know, within the membership of FIFA. I don't know. I think it's one of those things it's hard to shake out. And I'm yeah. sure there is a level of corruption that still exists, but... You know, yeah, I don't think there's any way with an organization that huge and with that much power, like, I don't think there's any way that there couldn't be corruption if it's already in there, which clearly it is like, there's Mm -hmm. no way that's going anywhere. Exactly. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. Um, Be sure to follow us on Instagram at BearRootsPod, B-A-R-E, and follow us on whatever streaming platform you are listening to. We are there, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.